Developmental language disorder. One in 14. DLD. The DLD project. The Talking DLD podcast. Brought to you by the DLD project. Hey everyone, Sean Ziganfuse here, co-founder of the DLD project. I'm really excited to be sharing today's Talking DLD podcast with you. We're interviewing Belinda Peters, who's a parent of a child with developmental language disorder, as well as the founder of the DLD Australia Facebook group. So I'd like to start by welcoming Belinda Peters, uh, who is here with us today to talk about her perspective, the parent perspective of having a child with DLD. So welcome to the Talking DLD podcast, Belinda. Thanks, Sean. It's great to chat to you. I'm really excited. So what I thought yeah. I might do, rather than me introducing you, I thought, let's start, if you don't mind, by talking about your connection to DLD and maybe, if you're happy, to share a bit about your son and, and your journey together. Yeah, so my connection to DLD is, is through my son, who's now 10, uh, turning 11 in a few months. So, yeah, DLD wasn't something that I guess it was wasn't part of my vocabulary um, and I guess so talking about how we've become connected to it is I guess going back to when he was uh, two and a half is when um, we um, we saw that he had some issues with speech so yeah so at that stage uh, I should just go backwards and say he was born with facial palsy so mm. he has okay. um, lack of movement on one side of the face. So speech therapy was something that was brought up early mm. that he may need. And, you know, uh, I guess that was my first foray into parent groups as well and finding yeah. out information. Um, yeah. And it, it appeared at that stage that he could have an issue with speech. A lot reported that their child with facial palsy didn't have a problem with speech. But at two and a half, we found he didn't have many words. Um, the words he did have were hard to understand. So that was, I guess, um, first foray into speech therapy. Um, so we went through that, and I guess, yeah, it's been a bit of a a bit of a journey. <laughs> um, he then we started with private speech therapy weekly. Uh, that moved on into moving into the public health system because. Yeah, his need was quite great. Um, yeah. There was a lot of work to do. Um, so at that stage, it's just, I guess, and a lot of families have probably had this, is it's a speech delay, you know. So the, the focus mm. is he'll catch up with all the, the support and um, therapy, I guess. And, and he had other delays as well. So at that sort of preschool age, he had... Um, you know, uh, I guess the term that we were given was global developmental delay. And I think that too is a common thing for kids that, um, who now, you know, are DL, have DLD, um, they might have some movement issues. They might have, um, need some OT. So before he started school, that's kind of public, the public support in Queensland, he did have that. He got some physio, he got OT, I think, but mm -hmm. that it, it just runs out. You get to a point and they go, <laughs> um, you've used up your quota. So that was at four. At mm -hmm. Four, they're like, okay, we've helped. And because I think then too, it's transitioning between the health system to the education system as well. So it's navigating 
um, between health, going, okay, well, he's going to school. Now this is an education issue or... Yeah, so then that support ran out and then we're going, oh, he's starting school. So that's another transition. Mm -hmm. um, he did get some support through ECDP. It's a Queensland education support, I guess, for kids with a disability going preschool. Like, so mm -hmm. it's that to give them a bit of, give them extra support to enter the school system. So mm -hmm. he did that. Um, and at that stage, you know, DLD still hasn't come up. We're talking um, five years, five years ago. He's yep. in year five now. Um, you know, and, and you're getting, you're going to paediatricians and they're saying, well, he's intellectually impaired, um, mm. which as a parent, I'm thinking, I don't think this kid is intellectually impaired. I think um, he has a, a problem with expressing himself. Um, yeah. So, you know, so, but you're going along with the experts and what they're telling you. So mm -hmm. we're getting a lot of, still a lot of speech therapy at that point and some OT and um, physio as well. But um, mm. yeah, so that's, I guess, a bit of a, a roundabout way. In yeah. a nutshell. Yeah, in a absolutely. nutshell. So it, it's, I guess I'd describe it as navigating a lot of areas to get support mm. um, for him and entering school. And, and that's another area that we're still getting support. He's um, been verified in the Queensland system. They still call it speech language impaired. Mm. So I guess that is when, you know, they're running, running all the checks that they've gone, oh, well, he's an intellectually impaired. He has a primary disability in language um, and speech. Um, so that for me was, I guess, what I always knew um, mm. was the big issue for him. Um, yeah, so expre expression, a little bit of um, receptive, but mostly expression for him. And that's yep. fed into some literacy issues and learning to read. So now it is all those learning issues that comes with yeah. it. Hit on so many great topics there, Belinda. Thank you, because you've just, uh, you've just in a nutshell, you know, in just a couple of minutes, set the scene for not just, um, you know, the the issues around terminology mm. and actually getting an answer from health professionals telling, you know, all different messages, um, yep. but also the fact that, you know, it's not just mean speech and language mm. that you've needed support with. You've needed support from, you know, other allied health professionals like occupational therapy and physiotherapy, as you said. So there's lots of yep. things happening. Are there any um, challenges that you've faced as a parent or as a family, um, mm. either maybe leading up to diagnosis? You, you know, you said there was a yep. bit of a protracted period there or since getting the di diagnosis that you'd be happy to share with our listeners? Mm. Yeah, I, um, I think it's just I've felt um, just a sense of frustration in terms of, the resources available I mean the resources yeah. are there but it's had to be us getting and paying for all of that apart from yeah. you know just some brief um public assistance you know and it, it's been a kind of a bit of a lonely journey I guess because um I've known other friends with um kids with ASD and they've had a lot of support and funding that um, I could see my son needed all of that, but we couldn't mm. access it. 
Um, so I think that's been the real, and just frustration around not being able to put a label on what he had. So then mm -hmm. getting people to understand, um, there is a bit of a, I've felt as I've been navigating it is, mm. oh, well, it's just speech. Oh, he's just, he's it's just downplayed a bit, a bit isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But when you think about it, language is everything. And um, mm. if you can't, you can't express yourself or then, then that, leads into learning issues and mm -hmm. you can't express yourself that way either. You know, it's a big deal. And it's, um, I think it is downplayed and that's sort of what I've, I've felt that, <laughs> you know, mm. I'm the one, oh, the, you know, and I guess my approach isn't, I'm not a pushy person. I'm not, um, so that's definitely not how I advocate, mm. but I've always gone, look, I can't look back and say, I haven't done everything I can for him. So that's been how I've approached it is trying to make sure that I'm always up on what's happening. And I guess that's how I found DLD is just that through my own research is mm -hmm. that that was the term and you read the criteria. I'm mm -hmm. like, thank <laughs> you. Know, thank got a term. This, yep. this is it. Like these, yeah. he's, that's him. Um, I think, you know, as much as, labels get a bad name i think if you can um feel, you know feel a part of a community mm. that understands what you're going through as a parent it helps because otherwise you're you're just you know On you're your talking own. to friends about it and you feel like well they they will understand they'll talk you through yeah. it but it it's got a point where that runs out yeah. in a way their understanding and runs out yeah. Um, Do you find then that they're able to understand, I guess, what a day looks like? Or is it something that, you know, you, you find more comfort or through discussion with other parents who have similar needs? Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it, and, and definitely it's, it's sometimes those wins as well. Like yeah. little wins that to a parent with um, average children that aren't going through this, mm. um, it might seem like nothing. You'll go, oh, look, the yeah. report card Take it came for back. granted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, you could get a report card that could have all all Cs and you could be over the moon because that's, you know... A huge achievement. Yeah. 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 And, but to, you know, if you mention that to someone else, that could be like, oh. <laughs> you know? That horrified but, look yeah, on their faces. Yeah. 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 It's like, um, oh, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, no, actually, yeah. I'm doing extra, extra hours at home to get to this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I think it, it goes both ways. It's, um, it's uh, other people to celebrate with those small, mm -hmm. really small wins because sometimes they're, they're tiny. Yeah. Um, little baby steps. But, yeah. Um, and, and it's to when you're feeling really frustrated and, and want to, you know, you're crying on the phone to, mm. to the inclusion support teacher, which, you know, I've, I've done and yep. <laughs> recently. I was say you wouldn't be the only one. <laughs> yeah. Um, just trying to get that, you know, support and understanding. And sometimes, yeah. you know, when you're getting feedback about your child and you want, you want people to know, look, he is trying his best. And, and some mm. of the things you're seeing are, are characteristics of a child with DLD. Yeah, I guess that as, from a parental parent's perspective. Mm. That's it sounds fun. like you've been an amazing advocate for your son in that regard. I think that, uh, you know, I, I probably have a, um, 
you know, big, in, you know, as you know, I've got a big interest in advocacy and, mm. and supporting these young people, but it's actually not just the massive advocacy campaigns that we're talking about. Mm. It's actually advocating day in, day mm. out that my child has, you know, this condition, they need this support for yes. a pop population of people where, you know, the general population don't know what DLD no. is really and have yeah. no, you know, have great difficulties I found in my own experience, even coming to understand what yeah. it is. And I often use little anecdotes or stories like, you know, have you ever been to a country where you didn't speak the language? Mm. And um, I've often given parents, I don't know if you've seen the, the Holland poem where it's, you know, they go yes. into one country and yeah. they end up in Holland and it's different, but you know, yeah. and it seems so small sometimes, but it's all of these parents are going through this same journey. I can imagine mm. um, once this podcast is released and, and I'm hoping that parents will mm. hear it, hear your story and, and not along thinking, yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah. That's what I've had yeah. to do. Yeah. And I think that's the thing you just, I, I didn't set out to start a support group. Well, mm. it, it's, you know, it's very informal. It's just, it was just that I didn't feel there was support there for me. And I thought, well, if there's no support for me, there's how many other thousands of people out there um, just sitting at home like me? <laughs> mm. I thought, well, you know what, I'll just start a group. And hopefully people will find it. And that's, that's I think, how I approach it. Um, I'll post things that I, I find interesting because I think it's learning all the time and then spreading that out there. Um, parents supporting yeah. parents is so powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And just having somewhere there that they can ask a question and there'll be other people there to answer them. Mm. Um, I think that's the, the, big, the big power of it. You know, when you've got, if you're sitting there and you're wondering about something, you can put a question up and there'll be some people to answer. For those people listening in, um, Belinda, of course, is the person who started the DLD Australia Facebook group. If you're not following that, I will actually tag the page in our resources for the podcast. Um, so you've touched on this already, but can you tell us a bit about, uh, you know, why you've started the group, but then also what's really surprised you about the group? You know, what are some of those things that you just think, oh, you know, either warms the heart or, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah. So I started the group, I think it's about three years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, and as I mentioned, it was just out of, and I think it was a discussion on um, Alison from Spellforbit. Spell I follow yeah, her Alison page. Clark, yeah. yeah. She is, you know, has a lot of good resources. She's a speech therapist herself. And I think it was just, a conversation on her Facebook page about advocacy around DLD. And mm. she made a comment about, you know, that it had to be maybe some parent led advocacy. It couldn't just come from speech therapists because it looks like self-interest or mm. that sort of thing. And I was, um, I think I might've asked the question was, do you know of any groups? Because I think at that point, like Jarvis was, I think, around um, year one, just around the time we got the verification and yes. that DLD yeah. was becoming a term. Um, so, yeah, that's when I, I was sitting there um, after, the, and she said, no, there's not, doesn't seem to be much in the way of support mm. groups. And she mentioned about the parent-led support group. And I just said on the post, I said, well, I guess I have to start one then. Um, that's what I did. I just thought, well, if I, 
someone's got to start it. And that's how I see my role. I don't, I don't take any ownership over it in a way. Mm -hmm. I just wanted it to exist. So I started a page and that's more outward facing for information. And I started a group that's for parents and it is just parents. And there are some speech therapists as well, because I feel Mm -hmm. like that's a, and some educators, um, you know, I think because we all have to work together and I think yeah, change won't come. Point, isn't it? Yeah. So, so it's focused on parents, but I feel like the input of speech therapists and teachers who are interested um, is, is good to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I started it. And that's sort of just how I've kept it. I haven't, you know, I have wild ideas of doing more like here's more information because I'm a um communicator and a writer by trade but of course if that's what you do day in day out it doesn't always translate into the your time off I guess um so it's like getting the electrician to do the home jobs or the cook to cook dinner yeah the chef to cook dinner yeah yeah Totally yeah, get so it. I have an electrician husband. So, yeah. Ah, there you go. You know <laughs> so, what I'm talking about. Yeah, then. exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's where it's, and I just share resources and I guess just have a place. And what I've been surprised about is um, that just having a place mm. and just not, not promoting it, not just having it there. Um, that people do feel safe to ask questions. Um, and what I've been really surprised is that our members are just amazing and share mm-hmm. a lot of their own struggles or their own stories to help mm-hmm. others. And that's, that's what I always wanted. I just wanted that forum. And there's some great people that, you know, you see them time and time again, sharing parts of their life and their struggles. And it is just to help others or to point them in the right direction. Um, yeah, so that's, that's wonderful. What a huge yeah. achievement from something that was, um, yeah. you know, spontaneous and, um, yeah. yes. but, but as you said, highly effective, I've always felt as a professional that you know, there's this real challenge sometimes with, I, I say that I advocate and I do advocate, mm. but, um, wanting people to feel that they have, um, the opportunity to advocate for their child, but then, mm some of the most powerful advocacy comes from the people with the condition themselves. But Mm. obviously one of the key criteria for having a developmental language disorder is difficulties with communication. Mm. So I just, you know, I hope one day that we'll have these amazing orators who are able to, you know, stand up and speak about their experiences with Mm. developmental language disorder. And I keep reminding myself as a clinician that that will come back to me as a clinician working with their families to help their communication skills. So mm. eventually they can advocate for themselves. And of course, you know, we've had decades of, you know, confusion around terminology yep. um, and that we finally have these, you know, clear uh, criteria and, ter- mm. you know, this new terminology, or I think Dorothy Bishop would say old terminology mm. because I think DLD used to be used right. a lot of yeah. and then, um, has yeah. come back in. But I think having that, as you say, just gives families something to look at and know, hey, this is what I have or what my child has, know where to find information. Because until recently, I mean, what if you, do, you Googled as your main search mm. strategy, you know, speech language, you could come up with anything. 
and yeah. it wouldn't necessarily be helpful for you or your child. So, mm. And that's it. And I think it is still that terminology, it's still getting bedded down. And I think even yeah. speech therapists and it still doesn't get used. I think there's, there's mm. more and more speech therapists coming on board with the new yeah. term, terminology, what it looks like, how to diagnose mm. it. But, you know, we've been everything under the sun, you know, phonological speech disorder or, a, um, you know, and it's all part of, I think, this yeah. broader picture. Yeah, of speech and language yeah. needs. Yeah. yeah. But how, would you say to speech pathologists, and I know this is, we're going mm. off the, the questions we've discussed already mm. now, but yeah. um, what, what would you say, I guess, to a speech pathologist who was concerned about labelling, you know, as a parent, mm. um, you know, that, that, that often there's this sort of internal battle around labelling and whether it's mm. helpful or whether it's actually, you know, going to disadvantage the child and parents will often ask yeah. me exactly the same things. Well, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, look, I think it can be tricky, particularly for for younger kids and I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing it now, like, and that's something I'm seeing on the group. Um, someone will join they said, my, my child's been diagnosed with DLD and, mm. you know, it is getting younger, like a five-year-old or, a, you know, yes. and I, I think up until that point, it probably is tricky to diagnose it. Yeah. And it probably is around looking at that whole delay versus a disorder that, mm. you know, um, you have to, I guess, and as a parent, I mean, I think you're always looking for answers as to yeah. why. Um, but I, I think sometimes, yeah, the label has to fit too. Yeah. So it, it, it's a dilemma. And I think with DLD, well, our experience was they had to pretty much rule out everything else. Yeah, it's exclusionary criteria. Yeah, exclusionary. Yeah. So if it is a criteria like that, then... It's going to take a while, I think, until... Yeah. Um, and I think that's the yeah. beauty of the new... Um, if we look at the Catalyze papers, which, again, I'll, I'll tag into the resources, is that, you know, it's establishing there's a language disorder first and then mm. investigating if there's any cause for that. So yes. that it, it's, not, it's not excluding the opportunity for intervention. It's saying yeah. we, we've got difficulties with language. Often they can be comorbid with mm. speech, as you've said. Um, yeah. but, but that's not going to stop you from then getting support. And yep. I think that that's, the, that's a big shift. And I think that um, there's, there's challenges with that. Um, mm. So obviously DLD is a lifelong condition. There's a need for support and that will change from being a preschooler to a school mm. age, to an adolescent, to, a, to an adult. And uh, are you able to share with us some of the challenges you or, or people that you know, either personally or in the DLD Australia mm. group, have faced in accessing services and funding? Yeah, um, I guess originally, I get, uh, sort of straddling that the NDIS idea. Uh, mm. You know, we've we've come. I guess all that early intervention for us has pre mm -hmm. pre NDIS. Yes. Um, so there was no access to the funding at that stage was, you know, disorder based or this is your diagnosis. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So if you don't fall into those very, you know, category of a particular diagnosis, you didn't get that support. You might've got mm -hmm. five speech, speech um, yep. sessions a year. So we yep. got that. Um, Which has not a lot of impact for somebody with a lifelong condition sometimes no yep. no so that was i guess that was a struggle um yes in terms of you know we 
we've had to fund that because I, mm. you know, and not every family, I wouldn't say, you know, we're well off, but it was, I had to prioritize that and go, yeah. well, this is what we have to do. Um, but you know, not every family can even prioritize it or yeah. in the position. It's a big expense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, at one stage we were doing, you know, all three, we were seeing the, you know, speechy, a physio OT every week. And, mm. you know, that was leading up to school. I think it's always, and you know, we're in this now that we're ending the higher levels of primary school. We're going, you know, everything's yeah. a transition mm-hmm. to the next stage. So you're kind of throwing yourself. I remember that before we started school, we're like, Oh, we've got to, you know, um, I, and I think the pressure was on there was, and I don't know if the, you know, advice has changed, but we were told, look, if he, he can't get all his speech sounds to, by the age of seven, you know, mm. <laughs> it was, it's based on, I know there is a research on it, but it's like, well, you're pretty much stuffed, you know, you're not going <laughs> to learn to read. You're not, it, that was the feeling, that was the pressure I felt. Yeah. Was if you don't get this sorted, and, and that's before that you have the realisation that this is, ongoing this is lifelong yeah it's not going to change it's not going to change the next week or two weeks no yeah you can get improvements in that but i think that Mm -hmm. that was a lot of stress of going well gosh we've got to you know and i think in that stage it was like all the pressures on you like the therapist is working with you but you're like i've got to get this kid up to you know it's always talking about age appropriate or age And I think for me, it's when you let go of that idea that, you know, he may never have age appropriate language skills Mm -hmm. that it kind of sets you free to um, go, well, what is improvement for him? And that's, I guess, when I could flip that idea, Mm -hmm. I think it was easier to go, okay, what should we focus on now? Um, and that changes. Like I think um, literacy has been a big focus for us um, mm-hmm. and that's been hard and it's getting that support at school, which is yeah. ongoing, yeah. trying to get the right support. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a focus for us and it still is and it will be ongoing. And yeah. then now that he's heading into, I guess, tween teen yes, years. all the hormones. All. Yeah. And, um, thinking about high school um where you know i'm thinking of because we had so much and we still have so much to work on i think and that's the thing that comes up in the group too you just you think of speech therapy as one thing Mm -hmm. but when you've got multiple areas to work on so you could be working on your articulation you could be working on sounds like recognizing sounds you know, there's a literacy aspect, there's a expression, there's mm-hmm. just, you know, even talking in sentences. There's you yes. know, things that people take for granted. You know, you, you hear people go, well, speech is something that people just pick up. But when mm-hmm. they don't, or they don't pick up language skills, there's a lot to work on and you can only yeah. focus on, so you know, things. so many yeah. things. And I think yeah. we've been overwhelmed at times with the amount of things and you know this is a kid that has to do this stuff it's yeah. um you can't get through you, life without talking 
No, no. And yeah, in some way, know, shape or form. Yeah. Mm. So for to his credit, you know, he's been doing speech therapy for since he's two and a half. Yeah. And you know, we have to, I guess, always look at changing the approach. And yep. you know, he he has had a bit of a break over this COVID period. Mm-hmm. But my thoughts are now is maybe there's articulation things that we could be working on. Uh, I guess moving into high school and potentially having to make new friends. And and he's been lucky. He's a social kid. And he does have a great group of friends. He can make, he can express himself. Um, you know, he can be understood now. And that, that wasn't always the case, but he yeah. could make friends and mm. even when he was hard to understand. So I think for him, um, socially, that's been, you know, he's a social creature, uh, like a lot yeah. of us, you know, and it's just equipping him with those skills that, you know, things will change as he gets older and, to relate to new people and those sort of things. And a lot of that comes through intervention and and working. And I guess just bringing back to that earlier point around the challenges in accessing services and funding, I mean, how have you gone or how, you know, what are some of the challenges? Because obviously you've talked about going from self-funding and you've had stints with public and then Mm. we've kind of only just scratched the surface on NDIS. You know, I'd love to come back and, and, and talk about that because, you know, what are the challenges that a parent with DLD faces with accessing? And obviously your experience is Queensland-based and our listeners might be national or potentially maybe Mm. even international, but what are some of the challenges that have you found navigating that funding and access to services? Yeah, I think there's still an issue with NDIS. It's still, you know, you've been told before it came out was needs-based funding. So you're going, yoo-hoo, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's someone who needs, he's Support. got needs. Um, but then you start looking into it and it's still like a 50-50. If you're looking mm. at kids above the age of seven, so you've got that early intervention support. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed on the group, there's people accessing that support. Which is and that, fabulous. Which is yeah. great. It's yeah. great. Um but then above that age, you hear of ones being kicked out, you know, that the mm. funding is no longer early intervention. So the criteria is a bit tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, so where we're at with that is I went and found out more about it. And, and to us, I was told it was a 50-50 chance of him getting anything. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been, I guess it's for the amount of therapies getting at the moment, I put it on the back burner. I didn't mm-hmm. want to put us through the kind of onerous application yep. to be told that, you know, you're not going to get anything. And, you know, then I might change next year. I might go, no, we've got to do it. Um, I think it's at the moment was the, you know, what you get out of it. You know, I think that's still the thing that's a bit iffy with NDIS is that doesn't seem to be the fact that DLD is not widely recognized is still a problem. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Because you really just have to paint that really grim picture is the, mm-hmm. and it's the grimmest picture. And sometimes as a parent, you don't want to go there in yeah. terms of I try and be positive and go you know, look at it, all his strengths. But when you peel that back and, you know, what DLD can mean for a person's future, it's pretty grim. Like if they're 
you know, in the severe category, mm-hmm. which we are, we're in, um, you know, it's, it, it can be tough. And I mean, that's mm-hmm. where, you know, NDIS might be needed in the future too, in terms of looking mm-hmm. at employment and all those things that are down the track. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I find it still is a bit of a accessing the, the services through that means it's still a lack of understanding. Like if yeah. you were to say, oh, my child has ASD, it's there. Like it's pretty much, you're still having to paint a picture of how life looks like for that child. But, but it seems to be more clearly understood, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. In comparison. Yeah. 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 So when you're talking to someone from NDIS and saying, oh, my child has developmental language disorder, most of them aren't going to know what that is unless yep. you go, this is what it means. So it's still a lot mm. of, a lot of work mm-hmm. there to try and get that across the line. Um, yeah. And it's really upsetting to watch. I mean, I'm, I'm so appreciative to be a part of the DLD Australia group as mm. a professional, you know, and I, I'm always very conscious to establish, you know, my, my credentials or, mm. or anything before I say things to so be very careful that it's, you know, what my yeah. thoughts are. But the thing that just breaks my heart week in, week out, is the stories of families who invested so much time mm-hmm. into just getting support. And often what they're asking for isn't um, their home to be refitted no. or access or bathroom mm-hmm. access. They're not looking at very expensive equipment. They're often simply asking for speech pathology, which is mm-hmm. costing them thousands often yep. of dollars out of their own pocket every year and and the economic burden of that for families Mm. could very easily be resolved and enable them to put their time and energy into other supports and enable them to you know these these 7.6 percent or one in 14 kids to thrive Mm. in other areas without the pressure of trying to work out well am I going to do this or am I going to pay for speech pathology Mm. Um, yeah and that's what it comes down to I mean uh, it's time and money in terms of yeah, if you're spending that on speech therapy every week, the funds aren't there to pay for things they might be interested in, mm. in terms of, and that's the thing, you, there's still kids that have strengths that you mm. want to grow. I mean... It could be a great swimmer or yeah. a rugby player or a, you know, piano, you know, pianist, yeah. you know, but yeah. without being able to access some of those interests, it's quite self-limiting in some ways. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, just... I completely agree that it's just, um, you know, it's such a challenge that's faced and, you know, it could be a little bit uh, controversial here, but I'm going to, I'm going to push ahead. And, and if you really, if you had, if you had the head of NDIA here, you know, and you, you had a chance to say what you want to say, what would you say to them? I, I guess it's just getting across that, you know, DLD is serious and lifelong. I think, mm. I think a lot of people are still caught up in that whole, um, you know, it's a speech delay. Or you know, mm. they'll get over it. They'll catch and, up. Yeah, they'll catch up. Um, it's not that bad. You know, they're they're the things that I, we've heard, and that's. Um, but it's it's got wide ranging ramifications for their life, and mm-hmm. and the thing is, these kids are, you know, they're not they're not dumb kids, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that's it limits what they can do in life because they can't always get express the answer or 
Yeah. You know, so that's what I really want to get across that, you know, it is a thing. It's serious. Yeah, it's, and it's real. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> you don't create I mean, a Facebook group yeah. about with all these DLD parents. DLD is real. Yeah, DLD is real. We could add that to yeah. the, you know, yeah. the banner at the top. <laughs> that's right. I, I think, yeah. and it's just, just getting that across because I think once they understand that, mm -hmm. um, the, the areas that it affects and it affects, yeah. you know, all areas of your life um, yeah. that I think they'd be more inclined to go. Yep. Look, we fund, <laughs> we'll fund that. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, and like you say, it's not that yeah, people would be looking for, you know, a whole heap of things with that money. It's, it's mainly yeah. therapy and it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, you know, use of assistive technology or yeah. things like that. A really key point. Um, I guess, that that brings me to my next question which is you know you've got so much knowledge and experience now as a parent i know that you know you've you've gone through this journey of you know not really knowing what the condition was and then there was labels that you know may or may not have fitted and and now gone on to create this amazing um, support group what advice would you give a parent of a child who's been recently diagnosed with dld because we are seeing them coming yeah. through aren't we oh yeah now, yeah, yeah. And I think that's exciting. It's exciting. It doesn't feel like it at the time. No, but not at the, the time. But no. Yeah. So at the time, I think my advice would be that it, I, I guess, first of all, that it's okay. I mean, yeah. um, you kind of, as soon as your child is labelled as something, I think that's yeah. what you immediately um, think about is, well, are they going to be okay? And yeah. I, I think, you know, uh, they are. Like, I mean they can thrive with this. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And I think that that's, that's important to know. Um, and that I think it's just to be kind to yourself as well. Like I think it's really tough for parents when they get the news of any sort of diagnosis or a difficulty for the kids because they don't want their kids to have um, difficulty, you know. Right. Nobody for that, their child wants no, life to be harder. No, that's right. So I think that's that's the thing. And to reach out for support. And I know I've been in that case. You try and you try and do it all yourself or you're navigating all these and it, and ask for help with how you know what other parents have done or mm -hmm. what has helped. Um, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of options out there in terms of oh, you know, and people will tell you one thing or you know, just reach out for help and um, ask for support um, I think uh, and that you don't have to do it alone I think from yeah. our journey um, that's what I've found I mean yeah. I, I think personally it's hard to reach up for support and you've got support from if you find a good speech therapist and and that can mm -hmm. be a challenge you know people uh, speech therapists sometimes they leave jobs and you know yes have babies <laughs> and, yeah you know. yeah yeah. And you always have like, different interests. Yeah. And mm. we've had to establish new relationships and, and that, that it's a long, I think it's important to know it's a long game. I mean, mm. I didn't always know that at the start. I think it was yep. always around, oh, we'll get him, you know, up to age appropriate and then you won't have to come to speech therapy anymore. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. realizing a child with DLD, it's a long-term thing that, um, as we've touched on this, they'll need support on yeah. an ongoing basis. So I guess that's some of it. <laughs> and that language is just one part of his yeah. life, isn't it? I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I imagine that he succeeds in other areas as well. Are you able to talk at, yeah. you know, to some of those things that yeah, he does yeah. do really well? Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, and I, I'm a big believer too in that any challenge you have um, helps you be a better person in a way. And what I've seen mm-hmm. with, with him is that he's a really compassionate kid who oh, well, is yeah. a really good friend. If he sees his friends going through a difficulty, I've seen that compassionate side to him because he knows Beautiful. what it's like to struggle. So, and he's aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. But in other areas, he's a really creative kid. He loves to draw. And, and again, it's if you can't express yourself in written language, you can do it through drawing. And he likes to write comics and oh, wow. do all of that stuff. That's cool. He comes yeah. up with some really way out ideas. Um, yep. And, you know, despite like as a clumsy kid who had, you know, low motor tone or low. Yeah, um, low, yeah low tone. Yeah, yeah low tone. He's um, plays soccer every weekend yep. and loving that now. So I, I think that's the thing. And the thing that's really helped me is to, to look at your child and go, well, look at them succeeding in those, those things yeah. and, and supporting their interests. And that's the thing that sometimes therapy can be overwhelming and you go, mm. well, I'm trying to do the best for my kid and they have to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you've got to take a step back from that too and go, well, maybe I support the stuff they want to do. And, yeah. and language skills come from some amazing places sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, he's a keen um, gamer. So yeah, as a cool. lot of 10 year old boys are. So, and I, you know, the gaming and the online world can get a bad rap sometimes, but yeah. I see him playing with his friends and all they're doing is talking while they're yeah. playing these games. So it's yeah. thinking outside the box, I think, sometimes in terms of acquiring language. Some mm-hmm. of the things that you don't think are going to be helpful mm-hmm. will really be quite helpful because it's around an yeah. interest for them. And it's yeah. remembering that they are a, a person unto Ooh. themselves with oh, yeah. interests and passions and, and dislikes and yeah. you know oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that they, yeah. they actually have their own personality and I think the the conversation I have most with parents is almost disentangling what's the DLD oh. aspect and what is yeah. their their unique personality unto themselves and mm. you know they can have interests and they can be yeah. really good at um, rugby league or they yeah. can be really good at um, you know craft and art and things like mm. that but unless we kind of give those opportunities we're never gonna yep. know are we so yep that's just right. like every other little person so yeah mm. we've touched on this already but i i'd like to go um, into it in a bit more depth is what have you found that has really helped your son or it could also be worded as what's really helped you as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, what's really helped him? Yeah, it's a, probably two things. Like, and I, I think sometimes as you get along this journey, you kind of forget how far you've come. Like, so yeah. I think the first thing is speech therapy and re- regular speech therapy. You can kind of mm-hmm. think that, okay, and his speech isn't always clear. So you can kind of go, well, has that helped? But you go backwards and go, yeah. well, he was a child that, no one could understand Mm. and he would be frustrated. Um, You know, and you see a lot of toddlers or preschoolers that can't express themselves. They're high, they're demanding because they, you know, they can't communicate. They they know what they're saying, you know, they know what they're um, trying to get across. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that that regular, um, you know, we've tried a lot of different approaches and I think mm-hmm. even in those younger years, like a lot of it's um, parental input in that too. Like we did mm-hmm. programs like the Hannon program, like when he was yeah. quite young, you know, so, and, and then all the stuff around building phonological awareness. Yes. You know, I think it's all helped. And in more recent years, I think discovering, and that's sort of where we're, I've had to push a bit is the ideas of the learning to read and how it's taught in school isn't always mm. um, the way that the DLD brain likes to learn. And yep. so it's finding the phonic readers working Mm -hmm. on just getting right back to does he know all his sounds does he you know that's been actually finding the research on science of reading and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. i can see that we can get in there now and i think absolutely it's taken a while to get school on board but we finally have school on board with Mm. that so i think you know that gives me hope now as well that we've found out I think what parents can find is that they get to school, you know that there's a, a language issue or it can be picked up at school for some mm-hmm. kids. For some kids that haven't had a lot of expressive language um, issues, it can come as a shock. Like, and I think there's some kids, DLD kids, that kids with DLD, they might not have speech issues. So yeah. they go under the radar a bit, but they get to school and they're struggling with some of those um, learning to read type things that that manifest there. So you might have kids like that. So I think, yeah, getting some information on how phonic readers, how, you know, how to get them, get them away from those, you know, sight words. You have to (laughs) learn those things. That's a whole separate. Oh yeah. We won't get into it. (laughs) We know it's controversial. (laughs) <laughs> but you're right it's it's actually knowing the science of teaching yeah. children to read and, and i mean i'm not here to talk about my research but just no. touching on the the research out there is that um you know children with dld do struggle at school um yeah. we know a little bit about how to support them but for example reading it's going back to you know explicit synthetic yeah. phonics and and teaching them the building blocks of how to read we know that they're yeah. going to struggle potentially with the comprehension side of of mm. things and understanding because of their language but that doesn't preclude them from the ability to learn how to read at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and a, I, I a think, lot that can yeah. be done. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, that there are things that, that can be done. I mean, there's still mm. some ideas out there that if they haven't learned to read by seven mm. or, you know, around that age, that, oh, sorry. But, I, you know, I think for me, it's finding, you know, no, I think to really support that idea that we just mm. keep at it and we can yeah. get there. Um, so I think they're the, they're the things that have helped. And yeah, yeah I think just instilling in him an idea that difference is okay. And that. Absolutely. You know, I know I've said I think, absolutely a lot. This yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Melinda, yeah. You know, yeah. It's and I think rich tapestry yeah. of life, as I yeah. say. Yeah. And yeah. I think because he's not ashamed of, you know, that he doesn't always understand or get his point across. I mean, he knows that that's, him and I think that's important to to get across and you know not drumming it into them Um, but it's I think an attitude that it's okay and that we just keep working at it and I think that's where he does really well and I Mm. think that sets you up for life is 
you know, nothing's come easily, but yeah. he knows that, you know, he doesn't give up. I think that's the thing. And he just said mm. that to me, like, yeah. you know, Amazing. Don't, don't give up. <laughs> Good on him. Yeah. And I think that's what is exciting for me to watch him grow. I, yeah. I'm excited to see and yeah. to know that, you know, there's some people that don't understand, but we're getting there. I think we just keep chipping away at that. Which links beautifully into my next question is, in, in your opinion, what do you hope to see in the future for DLD in Australia or around the world? Yeah, I, I think we're seeing a little bit of it. And I'd love to see more is that, that people owning it, like older, you're seeing some teenagers and adults yep. owning that as part of themselves and mm-hmm. putting out videos or putting out, you know, um, yep. same as we've seen um, people with ASD owning that mm-hmm. label and it becoming part, just part of who they are and part of what makes them great. I think we're still learning what are the positives of, you know, there's always a flip side where there's areas that you're not so good at. So but, I you think know, we're still learning that and I'd love to hear from those, those people themselves. And I, I think, yeah. as you say, it has been a struggle sometimes because um, we think of people with a language disorder as some that they can't express themselves or, or they're reluctant to. I'd like mm-hmm. to see them be proud of um, who they are and tell the world what they've struggled with, but also what they're, they're good at. And I want to, I guess, see it more recognised as a, as a disorder here and far and wide, I think. that yeah. um, And that, you know, it grows from there. I think with awareness that, understanding can grow and I think that 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 understanding is where we want to get to Mm -hmm. because you know when it comes to employment or other things that people can see or understand that you know these people have a lot to offer Mm -hmm. and not to judge people on face value I guess that they think you know it can be that people think you know if people struggle with the speech aspect for instance that they're inarticulate Mm -hmm. or they don't have a lot to say when really they, mm-hmm. they do have a lot to offer and a lot to say. It's um, raising that awareness and understanding. And I think that'll just come through people like yourself advocating for your young person and, yeah. you know, and, bring, and bringing people together just like your, you know, DLD Australia Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, with parents doing that, then that it passes on to that mm. next generation. So that's where we're at. I'm, he has to grow up to self-advocate because... Mm. You know, I'm not always going to be there. And for him, you know, in those situations where he might need to advocate for himself in terms of being at high school or or those sort of things. So it's empowering them to um, stand up for and to know that, okay, I have difficulty with this and and how to tell someone or just Mm -hmm. to be given a bit more time to answer Mm -hmm. or to to formulate their thoughts, those sort of things. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. I think that... There's so much opportunity for the future. I'm actually really excited, mm. even though I feel like it's, you know, I, I often talk about it's, it's a long game, you know, mm. as you've said earlier, not just from the parental perspective, yeah. but with, the, with the, the condition itself to say, you know, we might, we might be doing this for decades, but I, yeah. I hope one day I'll be sitting at a coffee shop and, and just hear oh, something about DLD in the background and go, mm. uh, you know, that's come through yep. parents and people and, and professionals coming together and raising awareness and, and making sure that these young people are recognised and they actually mm. get the support they need. I mean, that would be yep. a really bright future. Yeah. But, and I think that they can f- and then find others that they can 
relate to too that you know that yeah. might be where it is that you know they make friends yeah. find other people with it and can connect and and mm -hmm. get support like we're getting support as parents yeah. now that we weren't getting before i think you know um yeah it's going to happen so yeah fantastic yeah. so my last question for you is at the dld project we really have a big focus on self-care and one of our values is really taking that time to breathe um, you're obviously a really busy working mum who's got her hands full. Uh, so just to finish, what, what do you do to take care of yourself? You know, particularly, you know, you've got a, a load that you carry with you that you're advocating and um, prioritising and supporting. So what do you do to, to take that time to breathe? Yeah, I think it's really important. And I think, um, yeah, when you're on that, you're in there, it can feel like, oh, I can't, I can't stop. There's too much to yep. do. But I think in order to give back and give the best to your child. And I think any parent, um, this is the case, is to take that time out. So I, I like to, sometimes I just have to go have a bath. <laughs> just go yes. Forget about everything. <laughs> no isolate. social media. Um, yep. Yeah, I try to um, yeah do Pilates and, and some mm -hmm. yoga. And I think that's yep, like beautiful. giving yep. back to yourself. Feeling in that order to, Yeah, yeah. And I think that you do notice, I notice that when I haven't been, because it is, I think, you know, supporting your kids, but also if you put yourself in an advocacy area, it can be taxing. I think just in terms of just reading other people's stories and they're so closely aligned to your own yeah. that it can be emotionally a bit, bit much. So it's just, yeah. just having that boundary around that too. That's great. I mean, just even finding a minute to breathe sometimes is hard yeah, and then yeah and you are it's this constant bombardment with you know social media and the news and mm. um you know uh, other things happening in your life that are beyond just you and your child so yeah yeah i think it's great to hear that you know despite everything going on you can find that time because I imagine that at this point in the podcast, there'll be families listening in going, you know, I might be right at the beginning of my journey and yeah. trying to, the idea of stopping and taking a breath is so far away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it's, that can be, yeah. And you don't want to burn out. I think it can be yeah. easy, particularly when you're really in that, you know, that stage of getting them ready for entering school or those, those mm -hmm. transition milestones. Yep. But it's, that's when parents can burn out. And I've known, yes. I, I have, I've definitely have. And, you know, you notice when you're getting a bit, um, yeah, I think it's like the social media thing or, or taking on, like I'll talk about now. I'm like, oh, that's kind of true. There can be just little bits of conversation that can trigger um, yep. something in a parent because it just, and it could be just another, a friend really proud of their kid. I'm proud of my friends and all their kids. But it's like that little thing that you carry with you, the seed of, oh, well, will my child ever do that? Or, you know, it's something like I always feel yeah. like it's, you know, DLD now that we have that name or whatever it was before is a part of me now. So, yes. you know, I carry that. And, and mm. any parent that their child um, is having difficulties, they're carrying that around. So mm. I'm just very aware of when I'm carrying that and where I might be dumping it or you know. <laughs> sharing the load let's Sh put it positively yeah, yeah. sharing Over the load sharing or <laughs> and then you just yep. see you know you might be just having a barbecue <laughs> you know? yeah and you get on a topic and um mm -hmm. and then I I know I'm like I have to check myself and go 
you know, I might have over <laughs> yeah. overloaded someone else and like you'll get the yeah. the face. Like I think people might recognise like there's sometimes the pity face or the um yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. um just knowing when you care for yourself, then those situations aren't going to trigger you as much. Oh, that's yeah. what I've found. Brilliant advice. Well, yeah. I will wrap up there by saying thank you so much for being our first guest on the Talking DLD <laughs> podcast. I thank got you. goosebumps at different points talking to you and I imagine that other people will have a similar reaction because I feel that first and foremost for us is is the families. You know, if yeah. we're we're focused on our families, then we're on the right path. And I feel that that's something that um, we can never lose sight of because at the end of it, these are young people or, or, or people, big people, who all they want is to, you know, succeed at life and, you know, do the very best they can. So I think thank you for helping us start the podcast series by keeping our families at the forefront. And I'm really looking forward to, um, seeing the DLD Australia group grow. Me too. And thanks thanks for having me on. It's been, you know, um, great just to talk about it. And I think that's yeah. the big thing. The more we share, the more people, parents, people with DLD, the more we share, that's how we're going to get it out there and, and to yeah. help others. Couldn't ask for more. Thank you. And that's a wrap on our first episode of the Talking DLD podcast brought to you by the DLD Project. Thanks for tuning in. Our uh, vision is a world where people with DLD are recognised, understood and empowered to live their best life. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more great DLD discussions. Um, in our next episode, we catch up with Professor Sheena Riley to talk about the future of DLD in Australia. She's a really smart woman, been working in this space for a really long time, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, episode coming up uh, to suggest a topic to investigate or a person to interview we'd love to hear from you so please email us at connect at the dldproject.com and don't forget to head over to our website it's brand new and exciting and there's a heap of um, evidence-based dld information resources and training the dldproject.com lastly if you like what you've heard please help us get the word out there about dld by sharing this podcast with your networks Together, we can make lives better today.